0: On The Boogie Monster, Dave Stone and Kyle Canane talk about exploration and treasure hunting, the protests, and redefining policing. On Office Hours Live, Tim Heidecker, DJ Doug Pound, and Vic Berger are joined by Thundercat and Z from Black Socialists in America. Listen to this episode to find out how you can help Office Hours raise funds for the Black Lives Matter Global Fund. Search Starburns Audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast platform for a full list of our shows featuring hosts like Monet Exchange, Bob the Drag Queen, and Amanda Seals. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Starburns Audio. Enjoy the show, and remember stay safe, stay healthy, and keep laughing.
2: Feral
1: Audio Hey everybody, it's Steve Agee I'm back after a missed week I'm so sorry, I was doing really good And uh, I just got busy Look, I'm just one person. I'm trying to handle this empire on my own. Uh, So I feel bad, but I'm rewarding you with a great new episode. Uh, My guest is Bruce McCullough from The Kids in the Hall. Uh, Very funny guy. Uh, Actor, director, writer, comedian. Lothario... (laughs) This is the second time I've tried doing this intro, and I said Lothario not knowing what it meant and, <laughs> and then I looked it up. I was like, we should st- we gotta cut because I don't know what Lithario means and it means a man who be- say- behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. So yeah, Bruce, Br- Bruce, fuck, I gotta re- start this again. What? Yeah, I'll start again. Hey everybody, it's Steve Agee. I'm back after a missed week. I apologize for that. I got very busy. Um, it happens. I'm gonna. I look. It's not gonna happen often. I'm back with another episode. I'm rewarding you with a great episode and a great guest. My guest this week is Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall, actor, comedian, director, writer. Uh, great guy. Lothario (laughs) No, he's not a Lothario Well, maybe he is I don't know I didn't ask Uh, But uh, And speaking of Bruce uh, If you're going to do any shopping uh, In the near future If you're an Amazon shopper Why don't you go to Amazon Through our portal On the Feral Audio homepage Or on my Feral Audio page Just click the uh, little Amazon button And go do your shopping you can buy a lot of stuff from Bruce McCullough. You can buy some Kids in the Hall DVD. You can buy his books. You can buy uh, his albums. He's got two albums, Drunk Baby Project and Shame-Based Men. You can buy those on Amazon. Uh, so uh, why don't you do that? Support the arts. Support Lothario, Bruce McCullough, <laughs> and uh, everyone will be happy. So with that, let's get into this Um I'm so excited. I was a little bit embarrassed because I feel like I kind of fanboyed out. I'm a huge fan of uh, Bruce and the kids in the hall. And uh, I was really, I'm not going to lie, I was super nervous. I've known Bruce a little while and not super well, but a little while. And I immediately started just acting like an idiot, talking about kids in the hall stuff and brain candy. And well, you'll hear for yourself. Uh, So I want to thank Bruce for doing this. He was very nice. And, um, I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. I did this movie with this guy and he had had the same shrink for like decades. And he said one day his shrink asked him after a session was over was said, um, hey, you know, I'm thinking of getting my kid into acting. (laughs) <laughs> What's the best way? <laughs> this guy fired his shrink. <laughs> he was like, well, that's "How a, that's can a, that's I a, take advice from a guy know. who wants to put his kid in show business?" Right. Um, you you have no desire to do that, do you? No, but ever so often my kids want
2: to do something. I did a, a little series up in Canada, and my my kids did like little one line parts. Uh-huh. Very simple. And yeah. Playing to their strengths and then I think they thought they were movie stars. How old are they? Uh 11 and 9. And do they ever say
1: dad I want I want to be an actor? Kind of. And I go yeah da da
2: da 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 look at that shiny object.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all kids kind of want to do that though. It's Well, it's now
2: an option. You know, it, when I was a kid it was it was fireman, mailman or uh drunk
1: dad. And now <laughs> <laughs> is that just a canadian uh I I thought that was everywhere. Well, I mean, the drunk dad thing is everywhere, <laughs> but like the lack of acting. I you know, I I worked on a movie 5 years ago with Ellen Page, Name Dropper. I know, it's it's kind of important to the story though. Yeah. But um and she had just moved to LA and she randomly rented a house that was 3 doors down from me and so we started hanging out a bunch and she turned me on to so much Canadian not even just television but movies. Um, we we would watch Twitch City. Yeah. Which you were in. I was in, and then Mark took my part. Yeah. Rex yeah. Rex Riley. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was really obsessed with that show. She showed it to me. We were at Amoeba and she's like, oh my God, they have Twitch City. You gotta we have to watch this. And I still have the DVDs and every once in a while I'll watch them. It was a really amazing Show. I think anyone who's into, like, did you know that British series Spaced? Yep. It's kind of a, a vibe yeah, like that. that. Um, just a, yeah, uh, uh, But really dark, and um, you played like a Maury Povich type. Yeah, kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. Why did Mark take
2: over for you, by the way? I think I couldn't do it the next time around, so I, we thought it was really f- funny that he just does
1: my character. The same, same character. Name. Yeah,
2: same character. Well, kind it's of It's like same Darren's character. switching yeah. Yeah, exactly. Darren's. Exactly, same name. I think B- that Wich. was our
1: thing. Um, that show was great, and that really got me obsessed with (laughs) a lot of Canadian and the work of like Don McKellar and Bruce McDonald. I, I don't know. I I just went off a deep end, and you know, was watching like um, Hardcore Logo, perhaps Hardcore Logo. I love. I didn't know about it until Ellen turned me on to that. Yeah. Uh, the last night. Yeah. or, Or last night. Last night. Yeah.
2: Ponty Yeah. I actually I was just looking I'm restoring my first uh short I did, which is called Coleslaw Warehouse. And uh Don McKellar's in it. I was like, wow, there's a young Don McKellar.
1: That guy's such a good actor. Yeah,
2: he's fantastic. He's so funny.
1: Um I What else would I say? I met him It was very bittersweet. I met him at the Toronto Film Festival. I went and uh I went to a screening of Twit or uh Oh, what the hell is it called? Star Wars? No, no. It was the movie his wife and Molly Parker were in. Right. Uh, which she had passed away, like, yes. not long after. And there were all these people who I was huge fans of. Sarah Polly was there. Yeah. And all these people who I really wanted to meet. And it was at the most somber, like... right. Great, what the <laughs> hell is the movie? That's
2: a great scene in a movie, actually. A guy who's, a guy who's like, jumbo and middle-aged like you, geeking out at a memorial service. Oh, and the movie was so good, I'm totally blanking
1: on the name of it. Uh, it's called... Uh, it's I the wanna, name of a band. Yeah, I know. It's Molly Parker and Tracy, was her name right? Yeah, Tracy Wright. Another great actor.
2: Yeah, good friend. And actually, she did a Kid in the Hall thing called The Affair, a little short.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh... And the movie was great, yeah. and there was not a dry eye in the house, because right. yeah. she just passed away. And, <laughs> but it's a rock and roll movie. It's hilarious. It's right? Totally. <laughs> total oh, rock the and The most roll. touching rock and roll movie ever. And I couldn't, I couldn't geek out on anybody. Right. I was like, nice to meet you. I'm very it's, sorry for your loss. Your loss. And I was like, but
2: oh. the movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie.
1: Yeah. It's got all those Callum Keith uh, Rennies I, in it. I
2: grew up, I, I went to high school with Callum Keith Rennie. Did you really? Yeah. We at grade 11 and 12. We got into uh, shit together. Um, that was before he was an actor. That was before I was. We were just assholes. Is this in Calgary? This was actually in Edmonton. I I split my high school years between Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, I went up to live with my mom because my dad's drinking had gotten too serious. <laughs> what right? is? And uh, and there I met Callum Keith Rennie and a few other guys,
1: and we were bad. I'm a big fan of his. Yep. Um, what's what's uh, what's Edmonton like? Um. I don't. I've only been to. Two places in Canada. I've been to Toronto and I've been to Nova Scotia. Oddly enough, love them both. I immediately fell in love with Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. I mean, they're all they're all Canada's pretty great, obviously, but it's Edmonton is
2: kind of. Then it was a super greasy. You know, you could get beat up. You know, in in any corner, any bar, anywhere. Um, oil oil money, cowboys a little bit. Really? And then a few little weirdos like myself who kind of crawled out of there.
1: Is it like the middle of... Of Canada, like no, the, it's above the Calgary, so it's it
2: actually it feeds and the, the Fort McMurray fire, which just happened, uh, it's 200 miles uh, south of Fort McMurray, right? So or, or maybe a bit more. So it's it's real oil based. So a lot of the guys who are you know spending their money and kicking in the heads of of fags and punks before they go back on the rigs uh, are okay. in Edmonton. Um, Could you not wait to get out? Um, kind of, yeah. Well, I actually went back to. I couldn't. I didn't feel like anybody. There was about six friends I had that felt yeah. like we're getting out of here. I
1: grew up in a town called Riverside, just an hour I know, east of I here.
2: Don't name drop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the Ellen Page of yeah, cities. Yeah. Um, I couldn't wait to leave. It was, it was rednecks and a lot of speed and you know.
2: See, they didn't. Well, it was. I guess it was acid when I was growing up, and then booze. Luckily, they didn't have. Guns, or I would have been shot. I never got into acid. Right? Were you an acid uh, um, user? Just uh, to quote my record, I did all my acid in grade eight. Yeah, you know, I really did, and uh, didn't I blew through that? I think I knew that that was a a scary door
1: for me. How many times would you have? You done it enough to be legally insane, as what they used to say? Uh, like...
2: Probably not. Is it ten? I've probably done it about ten times.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm probably on the cusp <laughs> cusp of acid insanity. That's going to be the next name of my next solo record. I was always. Amazed by the fact that they could actually come up with a number. If you yep. do acid ten times, you're legally insane. And you,
2: once you do it ten, you go, okay, eleven can't kill me. I'm already insane. Uh, I'm already insane.
1: I've done it twice, and the first time I was unaware that I had done it. Someone had dosed me, and I was. I think I was Ellen Page. No, I don't think she was even born yet. <laughs> I was at a Grateful Dead well, concert. Really, what an odd place to, to be. I didn't even like uh, the Grateful yeah, Dead, yeah. and I went. Just to see what it was like, and somebody dosed me, and it was the worst experience of my life. It was, I, I was seeing monster. I, I couldn't believe, and I'd never hallucinated at that point. <laughs> I later got way into you know like mushrooms and everything, right. but I had no idea what your brain is actually capable. It, of. It,
2: it's actually kind of beautiful what your your brain can do. And I have, I did one ecstasy once. I actually wrote about it in my book, and it's like only once. Yeah. and it's like wow. And I think the way that it's legally prescribed you know, and how they used to do it in, in clinical studies and stuff is you do it once or twice and you can kind of fix your own brain. I felt like Spock, like yeah. being able to kind of fix the problems in my life or something. Um, so I think it's super seductive, but to do it once or twice, you know, not every Friday.
1: I just, I have a really hard time with drugs that last a long time. Yeah. Like acid was just way too long uh, even ecstasy for me, I did it once as well, and it was probably the best high I've ever had in my life, but it was the worst low I've ever had. It is true, and you can see what, you know, and
2: anything where you can't sleep, including red wine, sir. Um, I did my <laughs> Kevin
1: McDonald middle finger in the middle of the air. You! Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, red wine keeps you up? Yes. I, I don't drink anymore. I, I, well, I think I'm allergic, so I stopped. Well, since the intervention, and there was a good crowd. You had a good crowd at your intervention. <laughs> Thank you, know, I you thought for
2: there being there. Be like six or seven people, but there was like four hundred people. <laughs> and you most char- of LA, they charged ten bucks. And he did some stand-up. It was pretty good. It was kind of like a lot of your old material, which was which is fine. And a lot of <laughs> name-dropping, Sarah's and, all that stuff. and then we got we got together and we we turned you know and we said we. Your problems have been hurting us, and there's like 400 of us. So the first four were kind of, uh, I cried and all that. And then by like the four 400th, it's like okay, I get it, I get it. All
1: right, I'll stop. Okay. Just uh, I stopped drinking just to make people shut up. Uh, when, when, when? Do you remember when we met? I don't remember how we met. I I feel like it might have been a, like meltdown or something. I know we have Janet Varney in common.
2: Yeah, I think you did stand up once. I was doing stand up at the uh, Steve Allen. I think. I think I may have met you there, or it just seemed like I knew you because you knew Janet Varney and I. I was such a fan of the Sarah Silverman Show.
1: Were you? I was, I mean, a huge fan of yours. I, I remember one time I saw you at the Starbucks up on, uh, like, Cahuenga and, like, Barham area, and I and I immediately texted Janet, I was like, I just saw Bruce, and I was too afraid to say anything <laughs> to him. And she said, good. She's like- He's weird. <laughs> She's like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it might have been the Steve Allen. Theme. You were right. doing a show with Dave and not Ke- Kevin wasn't there. It was Dave and Scott, I think. Yeah, possibly. Um, do you do you stand up often? Um, I you know I gotta start doing it
2: more. I've i mostly done I do uh, one man show with Brian Connolly, who's my oldest friend in the world who's yeah. from the shadowy man on shadowy planet yeah. who did all our music. So I've mostly done shows with him. I did the Roxy a little while, like last year, this time or so. Really? Yeah, and I, I I'm going to do more of that. I just never got around to it, but I've done a lot, lot more in Canada, which is just, it's easier to plug in and more lucrative. Um, and I, I'm going to do more in the States. I just haven't done that much.
1: Do you still have a residence in Canada? I do not. No. You're fully Los Angeles yeah, for for a long time 15
2: you, 16 years. Do you love it? Um, Canada or Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Are you here
1: just because of work or do well, you I'm actually- I'm here because
2: of work and it, you kind of go, it is sort of beautiful and I'm kind of a quiet guy anyway. Yeah. Like everyone, I, I was at a meeting yesterday and they said, oh, I met Dave Foley. It's like, do you know how many fucking times I know <laughs> I've been in a meeting where they go, I know, I've met Dave Foley. <laughs> you like, yeah, or me Or people too. come up to me, you're the last kid in the hall I'm meeting. Um, so I'm a pretty quiet guy by
1: nature. So yeah.
2: it's fine to be here and do my work and then- have dinner and go yeah. to sleep,
1: you know? You created a show uh, a few years back called Carpoolers that my friend Fred Fred was on. Yeah. Fred and T.J. Miller were both on. Oh, good. But I did, uh, I used to do sketch comedy with, with Fred and... Fred's the reason I have a part. Fred Goss. Sorry, Fred Goss is the reason I have a part on New Girl. He was directing an episode of New Girl, and there was a a part for a homeless guy. And he was like, (laughs) "Steve Agee has to be the homeless guy," (laughs) and they were like, "Oh yeah, that would be funny." And then it turned into a. Luckily, it turned into a recurring part. But Fred and I used to do uh, a really politically incorrect sketch show here in L.A. uh, in the '90s, and. what was it called? You can't even say the name of it. I Every time we... The sketch group didn't have a, show, a, a name, but our shows would have a name. Right. So I think one time the name of our show was Craig T. Nelson Raped Me. <laughs> and that's based on a dream that I had with Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> yeah. A dream. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. I had a dream. I woke up from a dream. A horrifying dream that I was raped by Craig T. Nelson. The rape didn't happen in the dream. My dream started, picked up after the rape, and I was just horrified. Because he was just, like, walking away and you knew
2: he had raped you? I think so. (laughs) He he was just getting into his Lamborghini. And I was, like,
1: sitting on the ground going, that's fucking coach. How could he do this to me? And so that's what we called, I think, our first... (laughs) sketch I think I think one of the shows was called The Ghost of Gene Siskel. It was they were horrible. Right. They were horrible names and <laughs> but that's how I know Fred. Right. And my first acting job came through through his uh his wife ran a, a casting yeah. commercial casting. And uh we were rehearsing in the office and <laughs> the casting director came, or his wife came and was like we've been trying to cast this Pacific Bell commercial for two weeks. Was, Do you guys want to come in and aud-? so all of us came in and audition for it, and I got it. That was my first acting job. Wow! And uh, it was horrifying. I was so nervous when I did that commercial. That I remember as soon as he said "action," my mouth dried up. Yeah, I, have to, I, I, did I that couldn't same thing. get the words yeah. out. I was like, "Cut! Can we? Someone give him some water?" Like, I was so terrified. But you got through it. I got through it, and uh, I've come out the other side. What was your first acting gig? Um, Anne of Green Gables.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Anne of Green Gables. The sequel. Um, <laughs> really? I, yeah, I did like nine, ten days. Um, this was before the kids in the hall.
1: No kidding. Yeah,
2: and it was like I didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing. It was the same thing. It was like. They woke me up and said, "Okay, you got to drive the buggy now." And I got out, and all of a sudden, I'm driving a buggy, and the horses are going into the fields. Like, <laughs> doesn't anybody tell us
1: anything about anything? No one yeah. showed you how to drive it. They're like, "Here's yeah, the yeah, range." Yeah. No, and
2: they were like, "And I understand now, having been a director." It's like, "No, no, they were they were way behind." It's like they did it once. Okay, you got it. Okay,
1: go home. So were you like comic relief, or was it? A I was seri- supposed
2: to be serious. I was Roly Poly Fred Wright, and I remember auditioning, and I said, "Well, there's not that many lines. Why don't I just..." sit in this chair and just kind of read them. I'm not going to go through the scenes or whatever. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, I guess that wasn't what you do, which is sort of a theme of my professional life. Um, and then I got it. How did you fall into that? I assumed you started acting because of Kids in the Hall. Well, I don't really act, so, you know. Um, but actually, uh, Diane Pauly, which is Sarah Pauly's oh, yeah. late mother, um, did you ever see the Diane uh, uh, Sarah Pauly uh stories we tell documentary no. it's brilliant that's what you should see it'll it'll make you cry it ha- it's a, the story of her life and it's really? done by sarah and it's it's the story of her mom and kind of an I- idealized people acted out and stuff oh wow even, she was our one of our casting she kind of uh, our casting, I don't know, she sort of produced The Kids in the Hall um, and was one of the 30 Hellens agree. Um, no she, kidding. So she- Was her name Helen, were those really all Hellens? No, 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 we, okay? yeah, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I'm i think, so gullible. I think I started that way and I'm, I was like, no, no, we can't I'm find- i so gullible. We can't find 30 Hellens who <laughs> can stand in the field for no money
1: in in the freezing cold in Canada. Uh, wow, yeah, I'm a huge Sarah Pauly fan. Yeah. Like, did you ever see Go? Yep. Oh my God! That that movie, I think, is the main reason I tried ecstasy, and then uh, immediately got away from it. But uh, so Sarah's mom, did she cast you in the Anne of Green Gables? Yeah, Evil? she did. <laughs> I think she got me the job. But how did that? Were you pursuing
2: acting? No, not at all. How I, old were you? I was probably twenty-four, four or five, maybe.
1: Oh, so you got a, a little late late start as yeah. well.
2: Um, and I didn't, you know, I've never, I don't think I've ever auditioned for anything. I don't really, I don't consider myself an actor. I've done the odd thing. Yeah. Um, But no, I've, I've always said I don't want to be in a room with Bob, Bobcat Goldthwait waiting to go in and, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's never, I can go sell shows at NBC or Fox or whatever, or whatever I do, but I don't know, just that acting thing. It's not, I'm only good in the odd thing where people... Someone gives it to me, and I I know other act- actors who are like that, who I've been able to give roles to. Yeah, you know, it's just like I don't want to go in and audition f- for the assistant and all that. I think when the, when the show was first over, I came here, I auditioned a couple times, and I was just here and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I and I'd go up for something and I'd like not really know it, and yeah. I thought they were supposed to praise the kids in the hall, and they were like, busy, <laughs> and, like so it was yeah. it was just
1: horrible for me. Um. So was that always the way you didn't really want to be an actor?
2: Yeah. Well, I think
1: I felt the allure of stage.
2: Once I started improvising and doing, that's yeah. where we all started, I kind of felt the adrenaline. And I did feel almost like a guy coming out of the closet going, wow, I found my thing. This is my thing. Yeah. So I really like doing weird shit and making people laugh. Yeah. Um, But I've I'm always thought of myself more as a, a writer anyway. Like I do a lot of stuff with, or did a lot of stuff with Mark McKinney. I was happy to give him the funny lines, and I would like it more when he got a laugh. I think uh-huh. he, he may say something different, by the way. Um, but no, I've, and even now I watch the kids in the hall, and there's four really talented guys. Oh, and, I. And then one guy with
1: a big jumbo head who's wobbling around all the time. No, and that's me. I, I strongly disagree. <laughs> you guys are all equally. I went to, I went with Janet to your reunion. Last, was it last year? Mm hmm. At the Ace Hotel, and it was one of the best. Because I've, I've been to all those, you know, sketch comedy troupe reunion shows right. that they do. And this was by far the best one I've ever seen. Well, thank you. And it was so bare bones, just like you guys with little headset mics yep. and like very few props. Yep. And uh, I was laughing so hard I was having coughing fits. Um. Yeah. I I would love it if you guys did more shit together.
2: Yeah, too. I mean, we, I think the fact that we don't do it that much kind of keeps it juicy and keeps it, I don't want to say magical, but it's fun. And by the time you've done all your shows in the places in uh, North America that want you, yeah. then you're done. And so you don't have to do it. So, you know, I think the fact that we, I think once we realized we didn't owe each other our careers right. and we could choose to get together And like, if somebody did something stupid, it didn't really reflect on you in the same way, or whatever. Um, I think once we didn't have to be together, we kind of wanted to be together. How did that? How did that tour come come about? I think I kind of pushed it. I've been. I'm always the little. They call me Work Pig, right? I'm always Work Pig. I've also, and that's the nice (laughs) phrase they have for me. Um, But I've I've tended to be the guy who goes. Uh, guys, should we have a conference call? Oh, Thursday's no good. How about Friday? Who well, Friday's no good. How about Saturday? Yeah. So I've I've tended to kind of have that sort of um, engine uh, of it, uh, and which allows other people like Mark to go. I don't know why are we? Who are we? You know. So yeah. I, I think
1: it was just time to do something. You know. How long had it been since the uh, the previous uh, reunion tour? Was, um, that, was that in the nineties or
2: uh, no? We did one in two thousand and three. Which out of that we did our, our sort of our last TV thing, which was Death Comes Death to, Comes Town, to Town, Town, which was a miniseries. Which was good. Yeah. So um, you know, and now we talk again about uh, what we should do next. But um, we we were going to have a conference call since January, but no one set that up yet. Can you guys,
1: when you <laughs> when you do your conference call, can you throw out like a special edition brain candy? Uh, well, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I love Brain Candy so much, and I feel like some of you guys don't like it as much. Oh,
2: no. But. I think you know. it's
1: interesting. We had a screening of it about two months ago at
2: UCLA. Because has been 20 years. Yeah. And I said to Dave, oh, the last time I saw it, you know, it was with you. And he said, what? When did we? I said, was that the premiere? No <laughs> yeah. shit. And so I hadn't seen it in all those years. I may have caught a bit of it on TV or yeah. something, but I hadn't sat and watched it. Um, and it was i pretty wild and it and it fell apart in the same way i remembered in some way i don't uh, remember it yeah. falling well, apart it's, at all well there's it's uh, narrative takes over or something i don't want to be technical but we we also had <laughs> we also had the alternative ending that we uh, uh, initially shot that we somehow found we don't even have it um which was such a bummer um as an ending, it was sort of like, fuck off, get out of the theaters, no one's happy. You know, (laughs) and it's like, (laughs) you know. um, Okay. (laughs) But it was interesting, uh, a a pretty nice, funny movie, and I still remembered most of the jokes I wrote, so.
1: The biggest bummer to me was getting that DVD and putting it in and seeing there was no, like, features, Well, that killed us, too, because
2: it was like, we just woke up one day and it was was out. Yeah. I mean, how fun would even, even a fucking commentary
1: been? I've always, I've talked to, and I think I even mentioned it to Dave. I would love to do a podcast or just a one-off thing with everyone watching it, like in here on this monitor. I think that's a great idea. And we then do that, just so you wouldn't have to clear it with the studio, people could just put on the podcast and sync it with the movie and yep. watch it. I think that's a really good idea. Um, Dustin, can we make that happen? He's <laughs> pulling out his Rolodex. Oh, Scott's here. <laughs> <laughs> Scott and Kevin just walked in. Yep. Well, they they heard they heard there was money, so I'll send them home. Um yeah, I uh I love that movie so much. I can't even It's it's one that's one of those movies that I'll still like if I'm bummed out or bored or anything, I'll just I have very few like go-to movies that I'll right. just put on repeat. Um and that's one. So, congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. See you guys later. Um, no, um, I recently bought your book. Not What's recently, it? but uh, when did it come? I it's, bought it when it came out. Yeah, it's
2: been out almost a year, I think. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Geez, we should have done more in that last year, huh? Where, is <laughs> Where does time, time
1: go? Time really goes so much faster the older you get. Yeah, I, you know, I played
2: Santa like last December and then I, wow, it's December again. I'm playing Santa again. I don't Do- even know what
1: that means. <laughs> I imagine you doing it for your kids. Do you ever do that for your kids, like play Santa? Yeah. No, no, not anymore. I do that for Ken Marino's family. Do you? Yeah. I used to live in their guest house, and they would every Christmas they'd come down with a aw, that's come down with a Santa suit and go put this on and go. This is where I say, "You
2: Santa? No, I don't see you as Santa, Steve." (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm a, a shitty Santa. Um, uh, yeah, but your book, let's start a riot how I, the full title. I don't know what it is. How I Stopped Being a Young Drunk Punk and
2: Became a Hollywood Dad? Is that the... It's sort of the story of a young drunk punk became a Hollywood dad. I think they put that because I'm doing a show in Canada called Young Drunk Punk and I think they thought it was going to set the world on fire. So I, yeah. think, I think the... Uh, By
1: the way, is that... Available for viewing in the it's United just States? available
2: now. It's on it's on CISO, which is where all oh. all the kids in the hall back catalog, including uh, CISO's great Death Comes Town. It's pretty cool, um, so it's on there.
1: Oh, want to see it? Okay, that's good. Yeah, good to know. Um, but there's there's a chapter, and the book is like essays from uh, from your life. And there's one there's a story in there about you guys going to Seattle to do a show. Right, <laughs> right. Right after Kurt Cobain had, like right. the day or the day it after? It was the day
2: after. It was the day of, it was the day of his vigil. And, um, you know, the story is that I got off the plane and we got off the plane. I thought that, oh, my God, all these kids in the hall fans and like, because all this activity was around and people were walking through the streets and they were all really serious. It's like, wow, we really took off in Seattle. And uh, Scott was sure that Kurt was coming was sure he was oh coming. my uh, God. God, he was so sure that he was a kids and all fan. why? Well, he wears a tartan shirt, Bruce, like you wear a tartan shirt, so he like everyone in Canada and
1: Seattle wears a fucking tartan shirt Scott. he did <laughs> needless to say he didn't come to that show. <laughs> yeah, he did not. How was that show? Do you remember? Was it well attended? The
2: show was very good, and i it, in the story is I didn't go to the vigil because it was too weird for me, and also yeah, it kind of like I selfishly you know what it's like to do a show it's like oh, i need my sleep and i need to eat a steak and stuff yeah and so i didn't go to the show and cuz i was i didn't know how to process the emotion of it i didn't know what to think first of all i was younger than i didn't understand death the way i do a bit more now yeah but i didn't i didn't understand how to st- were we mad at him, were we sad for him? We were a little of both and do do I you know, I don't I don't want to be around my friends, let alone grieving with strangers who are fourteen and don't quite get it and so I didn't go to the vigil and I, I think I watched bad T V and then the next day uh, I ran along the ocean and someone had taken some wood and wrote by Kurt out on the side. And then it was like, oh, and I got all emotional as I'm as I am now thinking about it. So it was like, oh, okay, that's what a vigil is.
1: I you think know? I feel like that was the first celebrity death that I was like, holy shit! Like, because up and up into that, I think I was, you know, what twenty, twenty four, twenty five, maybe right. when that happened, yeah. and like, you know, when you're that age, you don't know anyone that's died yet, and that was so weird and uh, people dying were like Hendrix and Joplin and, that and Jim was, Morrison. And that came before, like you knew, when we were children, that yeah. happened. And then
2: he was young and just starting, which was a weird thing. Like we didn't, I didn't quite get that, you yeah. know, that he was, you know, you're just starting.
1: You've only got one record out for, you know. And he really wanted to die. Those other people were accidental overdoses. He right. like really, yeah, he was over it. yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was a bummer for me. I was at Lake Havasu on a, <laughs> on a water skiing trip, and someone's like, "Yeah, Kurt Cobain died." And you're like, what? That he's like just a couple of years older than me. How does weird! That...
2: But I remember when John Lennon died, and I, I didn't. I'm not very good at the bass, but I. So I thought, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna phone my friend, my friend Reed Diamond, who's since died, who's in the Shadow Man and Shadowy Planet. Uh I said, okay, I'm gonna play Obla Obla Oblada" on my really bad bass over the phone, (laughs) and I guess he, you know, because when I was young, all I cared about was sense of humor, and it didn't hit me. Oh my God, John Lennon's died. Now it's so tragic, especially by a guy who's his fan. Yeah. And it's like, boom, 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 boom on his phone, and then just, hey, John Lennon died, right? Did you know? And and then he hadn't heard. And just he like, hadn't he, heard. And he phoned me the like next day, or whatever. It's like you freaked me out. That was so horrible. It's like oh, I thought you, I thought you think that was funny. Well, not everything, I guess, is funny. Oh, it's the fucking yeah. worst. Dude. Yeah. Well, and it's like obla di obla da on the bass. Yeah, on my little Hoffner bass.
1: You had a Hoffner? Yeah, I have a beetle, and I have a beetle bass. Ironically. <laughs> the best I, uh, I uh, when we were doing Sarah's show I, there was a scene where I had to cry where I have a, this little baby we, we have a baby that's a robot and uh, it, it gets destroyed and I have to cry and I I was like I'm a comedy guy I don't know how to make myself cry and so like I went to an acting coach and like I was so in my head and I was telling Rob our director I was like I, I don't think I can do this tomorrow and and then the night before we shot the scene, he sent emailed me a YouTube clip of Big Bird talking at Jim Henson's funeral. And <laughs> <laughs> to make me sad. And normally if I had found that on my own on the internet, I probably would have been weeping. Right. But the fact that my one of my best friends sent me this video to make me cry, I started laughing so fucking hard for for an hour I couldn't breathe. I was laughing at Big Bird. (laughs) Well, was it touching? It was super touching. It was. If you would, you can go watch it. It's one of the saddest things you'll ever see. But the fact that just the context that it was sent to me had. Complete off- right. opposite effect. Well, I also think that we should just be sending that clip to people anyway for no reason. <laughs> Sounds like it. I'm going to pin it to the top of my uh, Twitter feed, and you can find it there. I will. Um. I uh. I found out today. I didn't know this. I have uh, Shame Based Man, mm-hmm. your your first album. Yep. Which I thought until today was your only album. I didn't know you did a second one. I uh, just—I always look at people's Wikipedia pages. You guys, you should. And uh, it was like you had drunk baby. It's project. called drunk babies project. Yeah. I had no idea about it. I went. I went to iTunes. I was like, oh, I I should probably own this. It's not on iTunes. No. Um, and then I went to your website, and there's two tracks on your website. I guess I should have it for sale on my website, huh? You should
2: absolutely sell all your stuff on... Yeah, I never... You know, I'm, I'm Canadian. It would seem almost like self-promotion. I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would have bought it immediately today. If... Well, I will bring you one next time I see you, sir.
1: No, no, I, I want to buy yeah, it. I'll get it on my website. I'll get my people on that. If someone buys it on Amazon, because I think you can buy actual hard copies on Amazon. I don't think you can. I'll check. Do you, would you see a dime of that?
2: Um, well, that one is mine. The first one was Atlantic, and it's now on um, Rhino. Uh, oh. Shame Based Man. You can get on Rhino now. Uh, That's a great album. Yeah. Um. I
1: don't see a dime for that. I love how uh, there's a, a a very strong sense of like 60s beat, right? Uh, where you're speaking a lot of monologues yeah. over songs, and uh, is is your friend from Shadowy Men? Doing music on that? album, Yeah, Brian Conley. Yeah, oh, the music's really great on He's it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's really funny It reminds me of those old, you know sketch albums, you know where it's Yeah, a I sketch like you on the radio a lot of the there's a thread of you as a radio Jockey, you know,
2: yeah, and it's it's it was really kind of jazzy and I, I actually grew up on some of that stuff there's a weird guy he' I've seen him on beat compilations, but I haven't seen him anywhere else. His name is Shorty Patterstein, who was like a jazz guy uh-huh. who would do weird monologues, and my dad, who was actually a jazz cat in real life really and and a drunk salesman um he would play his records and he as he would play old other old weird Lenny Bruce records and all that stuff, but it had a real beat poetry thing, and I remember hearing that probably I was sixteen or seventeen, and it blew my fucking mind really? yeah. Shorty Petterstein. Shorty, Patterson. yeah, and so he had like, and you, he's in with the Beats, and there was, you know, something with William Burroughs and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But he was like really weird um, and kind of funny, like kind of funny. It was like more like he was trying to be funny, not not accidental. So that that was one of the, my inspirations. There. How did that album come about? Was, did Atlantic come to you, or were you like, I think I should make an album? No, Atlantic came to me, and that was, of course, at the time in your life when things come to you, and you go, oh, I don't want to do that, just because they asked me, you know, because everybody, when the Dave's I know was around, everybody would would I had a few offers to release it as a single, yeah, which I guess they used to do, and I was like, sure, no, why would I do that to make money,
0: just so s- people could
2: have it? I'm not That's sell stupid. Out, pay my rent, <clears throat> and it, they so a guy. Uh, uh, from Atlantic uh, came and asked me to do it and I met with him and I said, I don't know, but really want to do a record and um, he was he was a pretty cool guy. He had uh, he worked with the President of the United States of America. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh yeah name. yeah um, and Hootie and the Blowfish. So I had to get past Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, and then <laughs> and then I I just went and did it and it was it was so fun. How what was the process like for you? I mean are you Did you play in bands growing up? No, I was never. All my, all my friends. I when I was fourteen, I thought it was over for me because I thought it was too late to learn how to play guitar because everyone else started when they were twelve. Yeah. And so all my (laughs) friends were cooler than me. Yeah. And um, although Callum Keith Rennie was lost even longer than I was, (laughs) but um, we, you know, they were all in bands and they were all, and I was just there. Yeah. And I was obsessed with rock music, and I thought, I don't know what's going to happen to me. So no, I, I, I never played in bands, <clears throat> but I did steal my dad's uh, Hofner beetle bass and would play the odd weird song when when we did our comedy shows. But I I didn't I think I knew I wasn't going to be a rock star for whatever reason.
1: So how does a a, a comedy album that's mostly music come about for you? Like did. You, Did you just write lyrics or monologues and then... Yeah, and I
2: did, you know, it was really fun. I did old-fashioned. We jammed and we did stuff like that. And, you know, I'm actually starting again to do that. I've done a couple songs. I'm going to do a bit more stuff. I'll do some live stuff. But I do some live stuff, too, and just try stuff. And... Because you also want to get the monologues kind of going and that, yeah. so I did a few little shows with with music, and I've done I've actually done five one man shows, all of them with Brian Connolly, yeah, um, and sometimes I cut and paste the same material, so there's probably really only three shows there, um, <laughs> but there's something about doing something live and having band, you know, and I do a, a lot of obviously musical stuff in the kids in the hall. So I would do it in kind of a theatrical way. And right. I think when I was started the kids in the hall, I thought, oh, fuck, someday I'm going to be out of this shitty fucking TV and I'm going to be, I'm going to write for theater, you theater. know, you know, because I had done, <laughs> I wrote, a, I wrote some a couple of plays. Really? A, a play I wasn't in called uh, Two-Headed Roommate. Um, and then I thought, so it was that theatrical thing that I was always torn are drawn to. Even now as I want to go do live shows, it's like, but do I have to do a comedy club? You know, yeah. I'd rather do
1: a theatrical space. You should I do a monthly show with Brent. Do you know Brendan Small? He's yeah. from Metalocalypse. We uh we co-host a, a stand-up and music show every month. We were doing it for long for a year and a half at the Baked Potato Jazz Club. Yeah. And it's You know, we get our comedian friends to come and they'll do a set and they'll do a song with our house band, which is made up of guys that have like played with Zappa. Like we have Mike Keneally who played with Zappa. We have Joe Travers and Pete Griffin who toured with Dweezil Zappa doing Frank Zappa's music. So they're like amazing musicians. So we just have comedians come on. We go, yeah, do do your set and then uh, pick any song you want to do. Doesn't matter any song. This band will learn it. The shows have been great. And we, you know, we have people come who don't do songs, they'll just do stand-up, or we have people come that'll just do songs. If you ever want to come do a song with us. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. I, I a year ago, did, uh, did your song from uh, uh, from Brain Candy, your uh, Some Days at Stark. right. I I did that song like a year ago. Oh,
2: that's fantastic!
1: Yeah, there was was it a huge band? I can't remember. Was it
2: Metallica? No, somebody else. Tool. Tool did that song. Did yeah. it? And it's like, oh my god! Sometimes you you think you've made it, and then in other weird ways, you go, oh my god! I'm
1: influencing rock. Well, yeah,
2: stars. and when they're in Hamilton or wherever and playing,
1: some days it's dark. Um <laughs> yeah. Then it's like that's pretty cool. There's a weird. There's a weird bond, be- I think, between comedians and rock musicians. There's a with actors too, but I think it's more so with comedy people because I know so many people in bands that are huge comedy nerds. Yeah, no, I think that's probably where I get my most nerded out, and it's vice it's
2: vice versa. You know, it's like yeah, you know we were, we were friends, still are friends, but with the Black Rose, and it was like yeah, oh my god, I you know. They can't talk to us. What? They can't talk to us. We can't fucking be around these guys. They're, yeah. you know, and they're so cool. And they think, yeah. and they all want to be funny. So they think we're so cool. Yeah. We're funny. It's insane. Know. Like, it's weird. The concerts I've been to because of Sarah's show. Right. It's, it's, it's well, insane. And also, in a way, I think stand-ups especially, I wouldn't say I'm a stand-up, you may define yourself more as a stand-up, uh, and rock musicians, they have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. They do a lot of shows and then they're on the bus or in their hotel room or hanging out. So I think they can consume the weird culture, which is TV or, you know, my, our, your TV show or my TV
1: show yeah. in the same way we, can, we listen to music when we're on the road. I remember about 10 years ago going to it's the satellite, but at that time it was called Spaceland over in Silver Lake Yeah, this I know Space Land. Of course I know Spaceland. And I went to see the Buzzcocks and uh I was standing right next to Kevin and Dave who were also <clears> there. <throat> and uh I was like, Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't there be comedians at this rock show? Every rock show I go to, there's right, a com- right, <laughs> there's right. a bunch of comedians. Yep. Um But yeah, that Shame Based Man's great. I really I now I after listening to the two songs that are on your website from Drunk Baby Project, right? <laughs> where, where does that name come from? I don't know. <laughs> I, I well, there's about. a song. <laughs> the Drunk song ba- is called yeah. Drunk Baby yeah. Project, Yeah. and it's very. It has a very Doorsy sound. Yeah, you're a huge Doors fan, right?
2: Yes and no. Like I think they're. I think they're also hilarious, and I love them. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're. They're. Their poetry, like it's it's probably the fourteen year old part of me that thinks that you know fire and, and pyre or whatever is a good rhyme. <laughs> and it's part, like just yeah. go down, man, just go down. So and I think I I love them, but they also have no sense of humor about themselves, I don't
1: think. Yeah, They're taking themselves way too seriously. Yeah. yeah, they don't really make a lot of sense. I was when I was in college, I was in a doors cover band. I sang Wow. What are uh, we called? I think we were called, like, Medicine Man or something like that. (laughs) Something dumb like that. So embarrassing. But we only played, like, a couple shows and just would get really high. And uh, I was was really into The Doors. And it was right Right. around the time that that movie, the Oliver Stone movie, came out with Val Kilmer. And I was just like, yeah, man, they,
2: they know what's going on. But there is something pretty great, and it never is bad, which is... To play L.A. Woman in your car full blast, Ugh. it's like hearing, you know, an, an ACDC song. ACDC is never wrong. No. Like, it's just, it's never, it's never bad, it's never dated, it's just like, L.A. Woman can just never go wrong.
1: So good, yeah. The the band I play with doing these monthly shows, the bass player's just like, I will not play any dory. <laughs> mm. I mean, they, they, for the most part, except for on L.A. Woman, didn't have a bass player, but right. I don't think that's why he hates them. I think he just hates their right. music. It's a, it's a very polarizing band. I loved them. I still like them. If it comes on, I'll listen Fuck the haters. Yeah. Um, what else, Bruce? What are you working on right now?
2: Um, just writing new stuff. You know, developing a couple shows. I'm um, starting to write another book. Um, just sort of doing all that stuff again. Just starting You're to do wor- a little directing. I just did a Brooklyn Nine Nine, and you did? Yeah. And uh, I might do a bit more of that, and we'll see. How was that? It was fun. It's fun. It's interesting. I've never done director-for-hire stuff, where you go in and you're the um, substitute teacher. It's weird. You just have to be really craftsy and know what they want and kind of be Do you get nervous? Yeah. Yeah. That one was like, you know, yeah, it's because it's a big machine. You just want to fit in and do well. and. After you've done a couple days it's pretty easy but at first it's 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 weird I suppose. It's
1: the director version of guest starring on a show. I get so yeah. nervous when I book a guest star on a show that I don't know anyone and I the first day I go I'm just like they f- probably think I'm an extra they don't know. Well
2: that that me too when I ever the the little time I've ever acted in something when they ask me to come to a day or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm just such a quiet, weird guy. Like, it's So I always think of Scott Thompson as the opposite who goes, you know, it is... I'm here.
1: I'm here. <laughs> and he's talking to
2: the makeup lady and talking about gay culture and talking about his boyfriend, <laughs> the stories I've heard for fucking 20 years. And he's like, fun. And it's like they're getting, you know, photos together. Yeah. And I'm just the guy in the chair just sitting there with my shoulders hunched, like I'm trying way. to remember my few words. And then by the end of the day, it was probably pretty good.
1: I'm the same way. First day... Is the worst. Actually, for me, the worst is the night before. Like I, I lay in bed nervously because I also suffer from vertigo. So I'm always like, "What if I wake up tomorrow and I have really bad vertigo?" And well, you sound like my... a party to take
2: home. Like, oh my... yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't like vertigo, and he's not, you know.
1: <laughs> he, I'm a big bummer, aren't yeah, I? Yeah. Oh fuck! What? Why... I should just end my in my life. No, no, no! Don't. You've got this podcast to to keep you going.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised you
1: said yes. I am so nervous asking people to do the podcast because I'm like I I get asked to do a lot of podcasts right. and I'm always like when I'm asking I'm like, all right, I'll do it.
2: Well, it's um you only asked me I think yesterday, so clearly yeah. someone you know clearly um
1: you know somebody else canceled. No, the literally I <laughs> wait until ask Dustin. I don't ask people. I'm so afraid to ask Call people. Paul F.
2: Tompkins canceled
1: because you realize he was on the road because he's- <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> last year I did three episodes of this pod. This year I've done like 20 already. Right? I'm, I'm like doing it weekly. You're on fire. I'm on fire. Uh, yeah, this week I hadn't asked anybody and I was like, fuck, it's already Friday. I gotta, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to DM Bruce. I've wanted to for so long and I'm just like, ugh. What's the worst that can happen? He unfriends <laughs> he <laughs> I, I, unfriends should, have done me I should have done that as a joke. That would have been so fun. It would have
2: crushed me. It would have... I, I, I knew having met you a few times now that you're a gentle spirit.
1: <laughs> and I couldn't crush you. I just couldn't. I'm so easily crushed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is... Do you Have you done a lot of podcasts? I, I
2: don't do a lot. I've done... Because sometimes... You know, the first one I did, it's like, are we... What are we doing? Like ten minutes here, yeah. you know? No, we do we do an hour, and ten people listen to it. Oh, okay, that's good. No, I get thousands know. of people. Yeah, no, together. I do I do it now and then, but I would I do it more with friends than. Um, yeah, that's
1: all. I I only ask people I know. I'm I've asked a few people I don't know, and those are the ones where it's is been it h- hard to go for an hour because I'm like. I I don't know. What if I just ask? Any brothers or sisters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. your favorite food to eat? Um. But yeah, Canada's nice. <laughs> he's like a he's like a guy folks with the the club
2: owner said like i'm you you well you're at forty six now so you can you can we can cut off any time yeah. but he's like the club owner says you you have to be on stage for one hour or you don't get your money oh yeah and he's there he's just going, going like this doing crowd work yeah and then so where's everybody from you asked us already where everybody was from. should you want to do an Sa- intervention
1: on me Bruce where's Saskatchewan <laughs> I really did when i when we went to Toronto for the uh, for the film festival. A, it was just I loved it immediately because it was like a cleaner, less aggressive New York. I and mean, it was be- I mean, it was fall, so it was the weather was perfect. Um, uh, and we ate. I tell every anyone I know who goes to Toronto, I imme- as soon as I find out, I text them because my favorite restaurant now is in Toronto. It's called Chiado. It's a uh Portuguese. I think I know it. Yeah. I think it's on like Ossington or yeah. some, something. And uh, we went and ate there. When we were there for the film festival. It was so good that we canceled our plane tickets to stay one extra <laughs> night and go back to that restaurant. <laughs> and I don't like seafood. It, I had very limited <laughs> options on that menu. I was like, oh, there's a steak. I'll have the steak. Best steak I've ever had in my life. And I know that because went back the next night and it was still the best steak I've ever had.
2: So I guess you're pretty busy if you
1: can cancel, cancel your plane tickets to stay and have another steak at a Portuguese <laughs> restaurant in been, Toronto. I've never been. 2010, I had nothing going on. It was, uh, yeah, we were there for the premiere of Super, the James Gunn movie, yep. Rain Wilson. And, uh, and that's also when I had gone to Nova Scotia. I went with Ellen and we went to Nova Scotia for... For like 10 days, and that was great. I was like, Is all Canada this beautiful? Because this is yeah, bananas, how, <clears throat> how amazing it is. Yeah, and uh, and then we went to Toronto, and I was like, This is the quite possibly one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. And I kept telling people, I think I could live here, and they were like, How do you do in the winter? I was like, Oh, I don't like the winter cold weather. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and it's also an 11 foot. Wide House for a million dollars, you know it's also that is it really that, expensive? Has that going for it, yeah, and so let me ask you this, yeah, now that I take over the podcast for the last do two, it. twelve minutes yeah. um do you mm. think about your career because it feels like you just do what you want to do um are you know it's sort of interesting to
1: say, oh, I was kind of nothing going on in two thousand and I am the older I get, the more I think about it, the more interesting. i get te- I'm terrified about my career choice uh I'm very fortunate in that i've you know i i'm making a living right it's not always great there are some years where it's horrible yeah. some years where it's awesome right uh, I was talking to Tim Heidecker at a, a show this was a year or two ago and we were we were both saying we're now we're in our 40s it's too late to change right <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. we've passed the point of no return I'm not gonna go back to college at 47 right <laughs> i you know I have very limited options. You know, an assistant manager with vertigo isn't a
2: fucking party either. <laughs> yeah. Mike, I can't come Talk. in today. <laughs> vertigo.
1: I'm gonna put you on full hold. <laughs> room spinning again. <laughs> I mean, my options are really limited. So yeah. I'm like, I find myself actually hustling more the older right. I get because I'm like, I want a house. I need right. a house. Um, yeah, it's scary. It's a. I've made the worst career choices. I went to college for art. I have a degree in painting, uh-huh. which I've never used since since the day I graduated. That was it. Then I went came to LA with a band. I wanted to be a musician. That's a horrible choice. That was harder than being a comedian because there's so many bands in LA. Yeah. And then uh then I fell into I went to a show at the Groundlings. I was dating a girl who's taking classes there. I was like, this is what I want to do. Right. And it really was. I mean, when I was a kid, the first album I bought was George Carlin. You know, I was buying comedy albums as right. a child, and it made sense. It's working out okay.
2: But it's funny that you're essentially, a, a, well, you're obviously an actor and all that too, but you're a stand-up who doesn't like to travel.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm mainly, <laughs> oh, I'm horribly depressed right. and like, yeah, I th- I'd i say mainly an actor over right. A comedian. Right, right. I started doing comedy because a lot of doors opened for me because of Sarah's show. Right. I'd done it off and on since I was 18, but never pursued it, because I was like, this is horrible. Well, it's lonely. You know, it's a it's a lonely...
2: I mean, that's why I always do a two-man show, right? Or ha- yeah. with a musician, because you want to be with a buddy. You don't want... Why do you just want to go to... Yeah. And I actually did stand-up for a living when the first stand-up boom in like the 84. Really? And I'd go to Ottawa and do five shows in three nights, and bomb horribly sometimes and kill other times. And yeah, it's be doing crazy, the weird... right? It's, and it's and because it's, your body doesn't know what to do with the adrenaline after too if you're got if you just alone. I think that's why stand-ups become
1: uh, and, boozers. You and know? the whole thing of doing like four or five shows in a weekend is such a depressing I was just up in and I only go do shows with people I know too. Like I went to uh, San Francisco with John Doerr we did shows at the Punchline and, you know, Wednesday through Saturday night. And at the end of the shows on Thursday, we were both like going, fuck, we still have four more shows to do. This is depressing.
2: Well, but let me say the on the opposite. When I, you know, when I started it and when I did it, I was like, to me, it was the bravest art yeah. form. It was boxing, right? Yeah. You are, you know, and I kind of had probably a crazy little act and stuff, but, you <laughs> know, and I would do some square stuff too, but it was like... Wow, this is an old art form that's yeah. really—I think it's kind of important. And I know it's—you oh, yeah. know—certainly lonely. I mean, I know Scott Thompson is just knocking it down right now because he's really doing stuff about his life and yeah. he's really processing his life. So, but yeah, I think—I think it can be great. I—you I, know—I I remember I did um, uh, a comedy club with Janine a few years back. Yeah. We co-headlined. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go out and do forty, and she'd do. Three hours yeah. after me, you know, yeah. it's like, and it's like maybe a third of the people or half of the people on a good night knew who I was, and some of them were, uh-huh. you know, uh, there on their someone was there on their fiftieth birthday. I thought where's was the <laughs> <laughs> Little hat on, like not liking my stuff. <laughs> it's like kind of falling asleep, like one eye kind of drooping, like you know. And I thought, wow, I've worked my whole life to be in a room where people knew me, you know, being the kids in the hall or whatever. So yeah, I think a small theater um,
1: or a theater. It's I mean, it's obviously fun when you you kill and have good shows. Even when you're having bad shows, the best feeling is when you finish your last show of a weekend. Because, yeah, you feel like you've accomplished, like, holy shit, I just went to war. Yeah, it is war. I feel the same way when I get off an airplane because I have, like, a fear of flying. I hate flying. So when I land somewhere and I'm walking through the airport, I feel really... You know, like Jeff Bridges in that fearless movie <laughs> where I was like, oh my god, I just cheated death and I'm walking away. <laughs> Ugh. Um, look at that. We've done about fifty three minutes, Bruce. Do you uh do you have anything you want to plug? Any people can follow you on uh Twitter. Probably. Bru it's Brucio, right? Yeah. Brucio. That's not your whole Twitter name, right? I
2: don't know. It's Bruce I don't know. You really don't know you're talking, Bruce. No,
1: I don't know. I'm gonna get up right now. I'm an old-fashioned man. It's like Brucio M M C or something like that. I'm I think find it's it.
2: Brucio McCullough. It's my name. Is Bruce?
1: Um, just like a college radio. Yeah, it's Brucio like- McCullough. M C C U L L O C H. A lot of good vibes on there. Your website is Brucio.com.
2: Yeah, and I'll get uh. I'll get drunk baby project on there. You should sell your stuff for real. I should man. do that
1: because your album. I mean, I the two songs I heard on drunk baby or project are great, but shame based man's such a funny album, and uh, you have a lot of your writing is on yep. on your website, and you're I'm a huge fan of your writing too.
2: Well, thank you very much, sir.
1: Uh, are you on any other social networking platforms? No, I am not. Not wow. I
2: just barely sort of could make it onto Twitter because I could say. And you're new. You're new, you're new on Twitter. Yeah. Did you yeah.
1: start because of the tour you guys were doing?
2: Yeah, I think a little bit. And it was just it was sort of it was time. And then I was like, oh, I kind of like this. I can say a weird thing or a sweet thing or your Twitter really
1: funny. So yeah, I uh, yeah I feel like a, a few of you guys joined when you were touring. Yeah, I, think I think Kevin so. did yeah, as Kevin well. Kevin for sure. Kevin didn't want to do it. Now he likes it. <laughs> I, I hope I wasn't too much like Chris Farley on that sketch on Saturday Night Live where he's interviewing people going You remember Cabbage Head? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs>
2: you were you were nothing like that. You were okay. a total gentleman. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, Bruce. Yes. It means a lot. And um... and thanks for not doing too much fuck talk, which is great. <laughs> okay. a, lot, a lot of the a lot of the podcasts are doing. The Do fuck they? Talk. Yeah.
1: Are you not a fan of blue? Uh... No, I'm kidding. It's, okay, it's just arbitrary. <laughs> fuck talk. I, that's then going to fuck the talk move. the movie. <laughs> for uh, All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Check Bruce house, uh, Bruce out on Twitter, brucio e. McCullough, and check out brucio.com. E. Um, just buy all his shit.
2: If I get Buy off, into his politics. Figured, buy, buy, buy into
1: <laughs> me. Buy into him. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thank Bruce. you.
2: Feral Audio.
1: Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome.
2: Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.